Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. We are one church that meets in various locations across Greater Manchester. For more information about who we are or where we meet, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. experience you have of building is there, has anyone ever done any like proper serious building uh, I mean not Lego but like actual building um, yeah this, I think Adam has um, well when I was nine years old I did some proper serious building because um, my parents had an extension and I remember one day after school my dad brought me outside he knew the guys who were, were building this like porch on the back of their house and they let me have a go at building they gave me this board to build on and they gave me a bunch of their bricks we mixed up uh, some cement and, and they showed me how to lay bricks on top of bricks and I got to build this little kind of mini wall on a board. I was actually heartbroken the next morning when I found that it wasn't there, that they'd smashed it down uh, and they'd recycled the bricks back into what they were actually building a house for. I thought this was going to be my little construction forever but it didn't work that way. Uh, that is my experience of building that I'm bringing into this morning. But the story that we're looking at and that we've been looking at for a little while now is a story in the Bible all about building. It's building uh, the walls of Jerusalem. It's a a story called Nehemiah. It's in a book named after Nehemiah, which is in our Old Testament in our Bible. And this is a story that's set in 5th century BC Jerusalem. So we're talking two and a half thousand years ago in the city of Jerusalem. And it's all about the city walls that went round the edge of that city. But when we read it, it seems a weird thing to do to read a story of city walls from that long ago. But we're not just reading it as a story about what happened there and then. We're reading it as a story for here and now and to learn lessons for our own lives. Because I think this idea of building the walls is a picture, it's a metaphor, and it's an image that we can carry forward. And I think there are two different ways we might do this. And for different ones of us in the room, different images might resonate more. So one of the ways we might think of it is building in terms of kind of transformation of our city. What do we want to see happen here in Manchester? Often in the Bible, Jerusalem is a picture of like the city of God. It's, it's God's place. It's wherever, like any, any time, any place where things are done God's way. So God's heart, God's priorities, God's purposes are increasingly lived out. You'd say that's like the city of God being built up. That's like God's place. That's like Jerusalem being built. You know like that song, like Jerusalem builded here on England's green and pleasant land. And you think, what What are you talking about? Jerusalem's in the Middle East. Why are we building it in England? It's that picture. It's the idea of God's place being made here. And isn't that what we want to see? Like, we preached through this book about 10 years ago, uh, and this was the image we, we centred on, wanting to see Manchester change. And this is the language we used. We want to see people saved and added into the church. We want to see disciples reproducing disciples. We want to see the poor lifted out of poverty, the rich embrace generosity, and we want to see churches planted across this city that change the communities they're part of. For us, that's what it means for the walls to be built. So that's image one, seeing our city changed and transformed. I think the second one, though, and maybe for some people in the room, this is the one that might resonate more, is the idea of rebuilding and building on the ruins or healing from what's happened. 
Because let me just explain the circumstances behind which they're doing this building project. The story actually didn't start in Jerusalem. The story started somewhere else. It started in a place called Susa, which is in modern-day Iran or ancient Persia. I think you've got a map just to, to show you where it is. So if you see Jerusalem's over here... Susa is all the way across there, and that is as the crow flies, 1,200 kilometres away. So it's not like they were just down the road and they saw Jerusalem. They were a long way away. Obviously, there were no planes, there were no uh, vehicles, so this would have been a long journey. Uh, And that's as the crow flies. They reckon the road route round there is about 3,000 kilometres from Susa to Jerusalem, so it's a long way away. And the, real, the, the reason that the story starts there is because 140 years earlier, the Babylon, you see like Babylon, the big empire, well, the Babylonian army had entered into Jerusalem and they'd conquered the city. They'd gone into the temple uh, and they'd burnt it to the ground. They'd nicked all the stuff, all the, the gold and the silver objects from that temple and they'd taken them away. They'd smashed the city up so the city had become a ruins And then they'd taken the people, particularly those who were young and who were educated and who were likely to uh, perhaps kind of influence the culture, they'd taken them and said, you can't stay in Jerusalem, we're taking you to Babylon. So just think about this, 140 years in their past, there'd been this forced deportation, there'd been this forced relocation, we're going to grab you from your homes and we're going to bring you somewhere else that isn't home, that you've got no history, that you've got no roots, that isn't the place that you've built life as families for generations. You're going to be somewhere else. And we're going to try and stamp out of your life your culture, everything you know, your language, your way of thinking about the world. And we're going to teach you our way of thinking. We're going to teach you our language, our history, our stories. And we're going to try and erase your identity as a people. That's what happened 140 years earlier. And so a lot of the people we're seeing in this story are living in the legacy of that. That's the story they'll have heard from their parents, their grandparents, their great-grandparents of when those Babylonians brought us away. What is that going to do to you? Imagine you were there. Imagine that's happened to you. How is that going to sit in your mind and in your spirit? There's going to be pain, isn't there? There's going to be some some sense of trauma, and it's going to be a trauma that you share with a whole people. It's a deep collective wound, because they know they've been wronged, and their lives have been totally upended by what's been done to them. And now even generations later, they're living in the repercussions. There's lingering ripple effects of what has happened to this people. So much, I'm going to read you a psalm, and this is a psalm that was written at that time. And I just want you, don't don't focus so much on the details of the words, just hear the pain coming through. Hear hear them trying to process the the trauma. This is Psalm 137. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, and there we wept when we remembered Zion. On the willows there, we hung up our harps, For there our captors asked us for songs, and our tormentors asked for mirth, saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How could we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand wither, let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not remember you, if I do not set Jerusalem above my highest joy, remember, O Lord, against the Edomites, 
the day of Jerusalem's fall. How they said, tear it down, tear it down, down to its foundations. O daughter Babylon, you devastator. Happy shall they be who pay you back what you've done to us. Happy shall they be who take your little ones and dash them against the rock. Do you hear the pain coming through? Do you hear? They're, they're trying to process what life has become for them in this foreign land away from their city. So now put yourself in Nehemiah's shoes and you hear reports that people are back in Jerusalem and they're living there and it's hard and they're vulnerable and there's no walls to protect them. How are you feeling? Maybe it's a little bit less like, yay, let's take the world for Jesus. And maybe it's a little bit more rebuilding in the ruins, rebuilding in the face of this devastating event that shaped this collective consciousness for decades. Perhaps for some of us in this room, that's the way we need to engage with a story like this. Perhaps you're carrying your version of the trauma that they have. Perhaps there's stuff that you know has upended life, that has devastated you, that even facing it feels scary. And you know you can't get the toothpaste back in the tube and put things back to how it used to be. But you'd love to be able to rebuild on the ruins somehow. And it's not easy, and it doesn't happen overnight, and it's contested and opposed all the way. And that's the kind of story we see here. So if you're in that place, this is a story of rebuilding for you. Well, today we're in chapter three. So let me just summarize what's happened so far. So uh, Nehemiah, he had a good job. He worked for for the king of Persia. He was a cupbearer. So he had to basically taste the wine, check it wasn't poisoned. But this gave him influence. It gave him uh, a position where he had the ear of the king. He'd heard about Jerusalem. He'd heard that some people were back, but because there's no city walls, they were really vulnerable. Anyone could come in, attack them, take their stuff, do what they wanted to do. And so his heart was broken. He says, we need to go back. Someone needs to build some city walls. And so he prayed about it. Then he asked the king. And the king basically was really kind and said, yeah, you can have some time off work. You can go and get involved in this project. I'll give you some resources. I'll give you some stuff to help you. And so he made this journey back to Jerusalem. Then when he got there, we saw last week, he had a look around, he saw the state of the city, and then he started um, sharing with other people what was on his heart. Well, now we're in chapter three, and the building is going to get started. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read part of the chapter. I'm not going to read all of it. And I think once I've read the first few verses, you might see why we're not reading all of it. Uh, But I'm going to read verses one to 12, and then we'll make a few reflections on it. So you've got a Bible with you, turn to Nehemiah 3. If you want to follow along with me, you're welcome to do it that way, if you prefer. So Nehemiah chapter 3. Then the high priest, Eliashib, set to work with his fellow priests and rebuilt the sheep gate. They consecrated it and set up its doors. They consecrated it as far as the Tower of the Hundred and as far as the Tower of Hananel. And the men of Jericho built next to him and next to them, Zachar, the son of Imri, built. The sons of Hassanar built the fish gate. They laid its beams and set up its doors, its bolts and its bars And next to them, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, the son of Hakoz, made repairs. Next to them, Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, the son of Meshezabel, made repairs. And next to them, Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, the son of Meshezabel, made repairs. Next to them, Zadok, the son of Barna, made repairs. Next to them, the Tekoites made repairs. But their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work of their lord. 
Joida, the son of Pasea, and Meshullam, the son of Basadiah, repaired the old gate. They laid its beams and set up its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And next to them, repairs were made by Melatiah, the Gibeonite, and Jaden, the Maranathite, the men of Gibeon and of Mizpah, who were under the jurisdiction of the governor of the province beyond the river. Next to them, Uziel, the son of Harhiah, one of the goldsmiths, made repairs. Next to him, Hananiah, one of the perfumers, made repairs, and they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Next to them, Raphiah, the son of Hur, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, made repairs. Next to them, Jediah, the son of Haramath, made repairs opposite his house. And next to him, Hattush, the son of Hashabaniah, made repairs. Malkijah, the son of Harim, and Hashub, the son of Pahath Moab, repaired another section and the Tower of the Ovens. And next to him, Shalom, son of Halahesh, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, made repairs, he and his daughters. I'm going to stop there. That's 12 verses. There's 31 verses in this chapter, and it's basically the same. So what we've got is a list of the different people who were involved in this construction project. And it tells you which bit of the walls they all did. So we start at one gate, and then you get from that one to the next bit, and the next bit, and the next bit, uh, and it loops round. So by the end of the chapter, we've got right back to the same gate that we started with. And it describes the whole wall, and it tells you the names of the different people who were involved in building it. It sounds a bit like reading an ancient Jerusalem phone book, doesn't it? Name after name after name. And you can think, what is this doing in the Bible? I don't know if you've ever done like a Bible in the year plan. And from time to time, you do come across these chapters that are just lists of people's names, one after another after another. It's like, what am I meant to take from reading all these names today? Well, Here's why I believe this chapter is included in the story. Here's why I believe it's in the Bible. It's showing us that they built the wall together, that this was a community endeavour. It wasn't that one person, Nehemiah, say, did it on their own. It wasn't like they contracted it out to some professional building crew who would do the work for them. They all stepped up and they worked together. Sometimes we can be drawn to like the superhero type leader, can't we? We're looking for the one who's able and willing to, to lead the charge themselves and to do all of the work. We want this to be the story of Nehemiah who through grit and determination and strength overcame the odds and beat all the opposition and changed the world by building this wall himself. But it didn't work like that. And it, it never does. That's never how things get done. It's never how God's work happens. Instead, we get these phone books full of people all doing their bit, all standing together, shoulder to shoulder, doing each one's bit. And together, the job gets done. And we shouldn't really be surprised that this is how God works. I mean, think about who God is in himself, Father, Son, and Spirit. God is community at his very core, his very being, he is community. Is it any surprise that then the way his work gets done is through communities together being engaged in the work? Or think about Jesus, like if anybody could be the, the like one-man superhero squad doing it all themselves, you'd think, well, surely Jesus could, right? But what was the first thing he did when he started his ministry? He'd go and he'd find people. He'd find some fishermen and he'd say, I want you to drop your nets and come with me. We're going to build a team. We're going to build a community to go on the mission together. 
I find it so reassuring that God works this way. Because when I think about all that needs done and whether we're using the kind of building to transform the city picture or kind of the rebuilding out of the ruins picture, it can seem daunting, can't it? It can seem hard. It can seem difficult. How can this get done? But it's when you can find people who you can stand together with. It seems so much more doable. So it's a community project. And here's what I noticed, right? Everybody seems to be getting involved. Did you pick up on some of the, the diversity amongst the people who were involved in the building work? Uh, like maybe uh, some of the names stood out or some of the little descriptions of people stood out. Did you notice that some of the people who were involved were rich and others were poor and yet they're building together? Did you notice that we read about men and women building together? Did you read about white-collar workers and blue-collar workers building together? Fathers and sons, priests and merchants. You've got every kind of person in the city getting involved. And in fact, there was only one group of people. You might have noticed in verse 5, there was one little group. It says, the nobles would not put their shoulders to the work of the Lord. So this one little group said, oh, well, well, we're not going to do it. And that was noteworthy because that was so different. It was so unusual. Everybody else was playing their part. There was a place for each and every person in that city to do their bit. We actually see the same in the New Testament. Another similar chapter full of names, but I find it such an encouraging chapter, is Romans chapter 16, maybe one to read later. But it's at the end of a big letter that Paul has written. He's given a shout out to lots of the different co-workers that he's got in different places around Europe who are helping in the work of spreading the good news of Jesus. And again, we see such a diversity, men and women, Jews and Gentiles, rich and poor, old and young, all together. And we see a beautiful picture of how God works. We want this to be how we operate as a church as well. We don't want to be the kind of place where only a small number of people get to do things. We want to create space for each and every person to be involved. In fact, I'd say it more than that. I'd say we need each person to be involved. We need you to bring what only you can bring because nobody else is you. Nobody else can bring the same things that you have. Whether you're brand new to CCM, whether you've been here for years, whether you're still checking things out and haven't figured out quite where you're at and what you believe yet, we want to create space for you to be involved. Let me encourage you, find ways to get involved because there's a lot of building that needs to be done and we can all together make it happen. And there are lots of different ways to do it and be involved. It worked here in Jerusalem because everyone did different things. Like, they didn't all congregate to the sheep gate and build that and have one like super gate and then a, a bare wall all around it. They each did different things. One of the ways that the New Testament describes the church is like the body of Christ. So think of the body and then think of all the different parts of the body, the ears, the eyes, the hands, the feet. They all do different things, don't they? But the body works because it's got all these different bits that all work in different ways, but they complement one another and they come together and the whole thing works by virtue of not everything being the same, but everything being different. 
we're not all good at the same things. There are people in here who are good at things that I'm not good at. There are people in here who are not good at things that I am good at. We work together when each of us can bring our strengths. So when we can each appreciate what one another is bringing, when we're not saying, well, no, no, you need to be more like me, or, oh, no, I'm, I'm not great because I'm, I'm not more like you. We, we appreciate the different strengths and gifts and skills that each of us bring. And sometimes we might say, well, I'm, I'm not sure what I'm good at. Well, the best way is to try some things and see what God seems to work through. Here within church, there's a whole bunch of stuff you could get involved with. And if you're interested in finding out, like, what part can I play? What things can I be involved with? Why not chat with one of the team here and we can find out ways that fit for you to be involved. And here's what I noticed, right? The people, the way they built, it was pretty ordinary. It was where they were at and it was when they could. You know, sometimes I picture this story and what I imagine is like, oh, well, here's how rebuilding works. So everyone gets up in the morning, then they go out to the wall, they spend all day building the wall, then they go home, then they have the tea, then they put their feet up, chill out a bit, then they go to bed and they do the same the next day. And it's on a cycle like that until it gets done. But that's not what we read. We, we read about people who have actual jobs. I don't know if you noticed, it mentioned some priests it mentions some goldsmiths, it mentions some perfumers, administrators, servants, merchants, lots of people who had actual jobs in the day. So these walls, they're not being built up by people who are doing it as their main thing. They're built up by people who go to work in the day and then they pitch up with a trowel after work in the evening or on their weekends. They're giving up their time, their free time to do the building. That's the way it works if you want to see things change. If you want to make a difference in something, it's when people are willing to to give a bit, to sacrifice a bit, to cut into the spare time that they have. And I get it, some of us have more free time than others, and life has whatever shape it has. But either way, it's about giving what you can to make the difference you want to make. And I noticed some of them. There was a guy in verse 10 called uh, Jediah, the son of Haramah, and it said he made repairs opposite his house. I thought, that makes so much sense, doesn't it? It absolutely makes sense that he lives there. There's a bit of wall there that's broken down. Well, of course he's going to build that bit. He's not going to traipse to the other side of Jerusalem to do building over there. He built where he was. God's got each of us in different places, different halls of residence, different workplaces, different communities, different spaces we're in in life. And I think there's something in this picture of building where we're at. What can you do where you are? How can you see God's kingdom come, God's will be done in your workplace, in your halls, in your street, in in the communities and the spaces that you occupy? What does building look like for you there? Rebuilding the walls can be as simple as doing what you can, when you can, where you are. And if we all do that, that makes a difference. And the last thing I just want to highlight is that those doing the work are honoured for what they do. I love this chapter. I love these chapters in the Bible that are lists of names. I've grown to to see these in such a beautiful light. Because I know it's a bit awkward when I'm stood here reading name after name after name and we're thinking, what are we doing with our Sunday mornings? But I think the names are so important. How would you feel if you were one of these people? So... 
You show up and you get involved in this building. You work hard, you do your bit, you give your evenings and your weekends up and you see that this wall gets built. And then you get old and then you die and then you're up in heaven and you're looking down at what's going on and you hear a rumour that God's going to write a book, that there's going to be a, a holy book that accounts the deeds of God through history. Well, this is cool. I can't wait till this is finished. I'm going to get myself a copy of it. And you get a little copy of it. It's called the Bible. And you get a copy and you, you're reading through it. And you get to Nehemiah and you see, that's me. My name is in it. Malchijah, the son of Harim, it actually mentions me in the book. It was such a big deal to Nehemiah that Joida and Meshullam repaired one of the gates that he made a point of mentioning their name and giving them credit. And it was such a big deal to God what they did that when he inspired the Bible, he included their names. I think that is mind-blowing. Each and every contribution matters. Every person who plays a part in the building, it really does matter. So if you're building, and you, you might have had things come to mind as I've been talking. Yeah, for me, building looks like doing this. This is what I do. This is how I build. Let me say, that has not gone unnoticed. Don't think that that is happening anonymously. Everyone who's made a contribution on your street, in your place of work, every prayer you've prayed, every gift you've given, every act of service you've done, it all matters. And you know what? If when we get to the new creation glory, if when we're in that day and Jesus has returned and everything has been restored, if there's a book about the rebuilding of Manchester, like we've got this one about the rebuilding of Jerusalem, then I'm pretty sure that all of you who are stepping up and working hard and doing your bit will have your names mentioned in that book, just like these guys have their names mentioned here. And you know what? If there isn't a book about Manchester, I think there should be. And I think we should ask if we can have one and write one. And, um, yeah, we'll do that. Uh, we'll, we'll call it multi-planting. Um, <laughs> little in-joke for those who are in the know. Um, every contribution to building the wall matters. It matters to us, it matters to everyone else in the room. If we look around and see what one another's doing, we can say, yes, what you're doing is good. What you're doing makes a huge difference. But you know what? It matters to God as well. And you might think, what I'm doing, it's only small. It's, it's not a big deal. It's, it's a little thing. Well, each person here, they only built a little section of the wall. But the part you're playing matters. And altogether, the work gets done. So I'm going to end a bit different to how we normally end a preach. Normally what we do is think about like application. So like what do we do with what we've heard? Or maybe like a response time. What is God going to do in this moment? But actually I want to do something different. I want to end by saying thank you. I want to end by saying thank you to each person who's building. Whatever that building looks like. I want to say well done. And I want to commend you to keep going. It says in Galatians 6, let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap at harvest time if we do not give up. So keep going, keep building. Look around, the wall is getting built and God's work is getting done. Things are getting rebuilt on the ruins and God's kingdom is coming across our city and there is more to come. So keep building a bit of the wall, build where you are 
And as each of us does that, I can't wait to see what God does through it all, here in Manchester and to the ends of the earth. Thanks for listening. To explore this sermon or learn more about our church, please navigate to the links provided in this podcast description. From there, you can connect with us on social media. And you're welcome to check out the music links featured in this episode from our very own musicians. You can also discover current events and information about where we meet on Sundays and various groups or community projects that you can join in with. If you're interested in knowing more about us or wish to join us for one of our meetings, please reach out. Simply drop us an email at hello at ccm.org.uk. We look forward to connecting with you.